Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Moonlight Starved, written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Justin Fife. Her footsteps beat the death drum down the stairs, leather clapping on stone. I'm not sure which is louder, her heavy, excited breathing as she descends further into the dungeon, or my own heart racing in my chest. We all watch her, a smug kind of satisfaction in knowing that she cannot see us without her torchlight but that we can see her just fine. Our eyes are built for the darkness, able to see the tiniest features of her face, the crow's feet which pock the corner of her eyes, the mole which sits above her left eyebrow, the gap between her canine and her molar as she casts her wicked grin to us all, sending those to my left and my right into a frenzied rage in their windowless cages, mere letterbox slits on one side with which to peep through. She stumbles at the last step, her confident facade slipping ever so slightly as she regains her balance. How many times has she descended the stairs to her little menagerie in total darkness? How many times have I seen the brute with apish arms drag a cage to the platform in the center and lift all three to somewhere up on the surface world? How long has it been since I had been made a prisoner, forced to rot in a cube without any hope of change, any chance at all to transform or stretch my legs? to do the thing that we wears do. We all watch the woman who calls herself the Tamer, 
her lips smacking, eyes keen, sweat pouring from every orifice. Her smell is sweet, a compelling scent which reeks of freshly minced beef slapped into a hot skillet, a smell designed to make us furious, make us forget that, really, we are better off down here in the dungeon, trapped away in the foul stench of rotten feces, gore, and halitosis. Those who go up hardly ever make it back down again, and those who do, for though we can't see them, we can smell them, are never quite the same again. Moments later comes the sound of a second set of footsteps, followed by torchlight, an intense beam cast from a tiny handheld thing, the type of tool I remember from Walmart adverts in the summertime with the power of one million candles. And boy, they weren't kidding. It truly feels like it. With the pain of one million needles, I feel my pupils shrinking rapidly, a growl escaping my lips, joining the cacophony of dozens of my brethren feeling the exact same pains. Oh, hush your mouth, you mangy mutts, Cyril, the apish man, barks at the cage nearest to him, a couple feet away from me. The sound of metal smacking on metal reverberates through the room, followed by a low, muffled whine. Do you want to be the next to go? He pauses, waiting for a response. That's better. I believe it's your turn to choose. Cyril looks hungrily at the cages. Really? The tamer nods. As much as I hate to admit it, I've grown rather fond of your current collection. Each one tells a story of their own. I'd hate to have to narrow down to just one poor unfortunate soul. She stalks around the edges of the cages, Cyril in her wake. As they walk to the far side of the dungeon, they are momentarily lost from view. I crane my head, but I can't see anything beyond the smooth cage walls. My face presses against the metal. I stretch on my toes, feeling my foot paddle on something wet, and for a moment, I think it might be my own urine, accumulated from the months past. I stumble backwards, discovering the liquid to be nothing more than water as the metal bowl clangs against the floor. A short sigh escapes my lips, but it's short-lived. The noise draws the pair to me. Ooh, I like the look of this one, Cyril says, lining his eyes up with my letterbox slit so that I can see the darkness gleaming. A clumsy little runt, isn't he? Poor, poor unfortunate soul. I grunt and protest through my gag, feeling the hot red rage burning within me, imagining what might happen if he were to step inside the cage, my teeth shredding his flesh like old newspaper, spilling his warm blood against the walls, the dying light in his eyes as his meat satiates my hunger. Feisty one, Cyril murmurs. It's him. I choose him. The letterbox slams shut, the two hidden from view. A moment later, I feel my box moving sliding laboriously across the dusty, straw-strewn floors towards the platform. I can hear my brethren howling through their gags, a rallying cry of camaraderie that really means nothing. There's little they can do to help now. My heart is a nest of bats trapped in a cave, disturbed by a thunderclap, and above it all, I feel an excitement. We all know little of what awaits on the surface, but by whatever god you choose to believe in, it's got to be better than remaining in the dungeon day after day, feeling the full moon wax and wane and never being able to shift. My stomach jolts as the platform lifts into the air, the sound of cogs turning. The box rattles and rolls and I do my best to keep still. The journey could have lasted an hour, could have lasted five minutes, but soon the box stills. I hear them whispering to each other, 
Then the box moves again, feeling now like we are rolling along a dirt road. Maybe I'm in the back of some flatbed truck. Could be a lorry for all I know. The ride is uncomfortable. My back slams and smacks against the metal. The filthy contents of my own excretion shaken and stirred like a disgusting snow globe. I feel myself drift to sleep. When I awake, it's to the sound of thunderous applause. I blink stupidly, taking in a few moments to realize that I can feel something which I haven't felt for a long while. Air. Fresh, revitalizing oxygen. Wind gently caressing my face. It's... soothing. More than that, on the side of my cage where the letterbox slit had been is now a large grate. Metal bars running in parallels. Beyond that, what looks to be some kind of pit and... people. I can smell people. Warm, delicious people. There's some kind of announcement, but I can't hear it over the sound of my own boiling blood thumping around in my body, beating in my ears. My mouth begins to foam. Just beyond the grate I can see it. The silver wash of the moonlight, calling seductively to me. I can almost hear it singing, calling like the mermaids to the nautical crews of old. The applause builds, rising to a crescendo. With a loud jolt, the gate rises. I don't even second guess what's happening. My body reacts for me. Sprinting forwards on all fours like the rabid dog I'm about to become. My genitals streaming behind my naked form as the cold air bites my skin and I focus on nothing more than that thick shaft of light. Light I've hungered for, desired, craved, needed, any word you can think for it. A crack addict longing for a fix, knowing that the solution is no more than a few feet away, never quite able to scratch that itch. Oh, that itch. That fucking itch. And then it happens. It's a strange kind of feeling, the transformation. I'm vaguely aware of the hundreds of humans watching me from their parapets 20 feet or so above me, now silent. I look at the sky, my vision filled with the wholesome ball of the moon. I feel my blood still, a kind of ecstasy building from somewhere deep within my core. Despite bones cracking, muscles stretching, hair tearing through flesh, I silently stare at Mother Moon and thank her for her gift. My eyes grow sharper as do my teeth. I feel myself grow several feet taller and that sickening feeling in my stomach has all but faded and died. My nose elongates from my face and I feel that all-encompassing sense of power as I become what I truly am. A monstrous beast of the night. King of the full moon. When it's over... I'm left panting in the center of the pit, a hushed awe falling over the crowd who I can now see leaning forward with great interest. A few children with their hands on the rails, a couple of rough-looking ushers with trays of snack foods and drinks. It's then that I notice where I am for the first time. There's no roof. The seat and pit are all rough-hewn out of what appears to be dry mud. On the walls, I can see the dark smudges and stains of what is undoubtedly blood, and somewhere, somewhere... I can smell her. I can smell the tamer. I sniff at the air noisily 
and explode into a howl, which makes several people in the audience recoil. It's one of the things I've always loved about my condition, the ability to strike fear into the hearts of those who can do little but understand anything beyond the boundaries of their own existence. That's part of the reason I elected the change, that I spent months tracking them down, working my way in, bending over backwards before I could join their ranks in the glory days of the wares before we were brutally rounded up and harvested for sport. I could kill them all now, the height of the seats little against my lean, powerful legs and iron claws, but that's not why I'm here, not really. That's not why any of us have been planning, locked away in the festering dungeon for time unknown. The plan, as much as you could call it a plan, was simply to kill her to transform when our time came and destroy the woman who had kept us hostage, treated us like nothing more than scum. And where the others had failed, it was now my turn to succeed. Another gate at the far end of the pit, the tamer steps confidently forward, hips swing side to side, hands outstretched. There's another wave of applause. Her eyes lock onto mine. I want her to feel it. I want to smell her fear as she looks at me, knowing that she's soon to meet her doom. A quick bite, a swift scratch, a dead bitch on the floor, and back home to release my brethren, to set them back on the path to freedom, to restore the glory of the werewolves. But there's nothing. Even as I slowly advanced, hackles raised, eyes burning into hers, there's nothing. She smiles. She fucking smiles at me, and it's the most I can do not to leap there and then. There's no fear whatsoever, yet there is something. A smell. A sound. The earth trembles. The thing appears behind the tamer, emerging as some colossal shape leaking out of the darkness and out into the view of everyone around. There's some excited squeals. A baby cries, but the mother doesn't leave, transfixed on what she's seeing. Without a word, the tamer leaps into the air, and it's then that I notice the wires attached to her waist. And she's lifted. Gone. Theatrically initiating the true battle here, as my eyes meet the soft ambers of the great bear. For a moment, all we can do is stare at each other. It's not much longer before I recognize something familiar about the hungry look in his eye. The poor bastard has been starved. Not from food, but from something from which I can empathize. The silver light of the moon. And it terrifies me. I retreat backwards, feeling my confidence wane as the bear seeks the moonlight, steps into the center of the ring, and begins its own transformation with an almighty roar. Somewhere high above it all, I can hear the tamer's delighted giggles and realize that it might not be this night in which my brethren are freed. But I can give it a damn good try. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Moonlight Star was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, music by EGT and Sam Robson. Time is running out, 
We're giving away five signed copies of the Other Stories Volumes 10 to 12 collection. And if you want to be in for a chance to win, head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash competition. Answer the questions there and leave your contact email address. As always, a massive thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver and a big welcome to our newest patron, Marcel Leomard. Thank you so much. You guys help keep the lights on, keep us smiling, producing new episodes. And if you're thinking about joining the party, head over to patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver and pledge from as little as one pound. Until next time. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.